0: Long, low, pale golden rays washed the western side of the stone wall around St. Luke's graveyard. Many of the souls therein had been sleeping since shortly after the Revolutionary War. The church itself, of hand laid stone, much of it pulled from the fields, matched the deceased in age. The architect of this peaceful cemetery had fallen in love with Central Virginia and a young Virginia beauty while in a Revolutionary War camp a few miles away. Three arched walkways connected the church at one end and the rectory office at the other. St. Luke's inner quad was bounded on the north by the main arcade. At each corner, the two shorter arcades created a quiet rectangle. A longer arcade duplicated the front arcade. The proportions of this old rectangular plan were graceful, simple, timeless. The shorter arcades were anchored by one-story stone buildings, with a hand-blown glass wavy in their paned windows. Originally used as classrooms, one lower school and one upper, the space was now used by different church groups. The men's building reposed on the north. The women sat on the south, each a duplicate of the other, as with the arcades. The men's building was so clean one could eat off the random-width heart pine floor, a cleanliness that had each wife wondering why this was not the case in her home. Bordering this inner quad was a large outer quad, big enough for football games and gatherings in good weather. The far border was the graveyard, enclosed by a gray stone wall, the same stone as the church's structures. From the large quad, the pastor's house was to the left of the graveyard. The dwelling had grown over the centuries, with additions as well as a two-car garage. Originally a stable with living quarters overhead, the parsonage had been constructed of clapboard painted white. Its shutters were midnight blue, each with a cross cut into the top. As St. Luke's was a Lutheran church, it was high church but the decor, while testifying to a brief flirtation with guilt, was more subdued than that of the Catholic Church down the road. However, it was not nearly as barren as the local church of the Holy Light. Inside this delightful, warm home, a dinner party brought together friends. The very Reverend Herbert Jones, at long last emerging from the shadow of his wife's death, had decided to entertain this evening. Although his wife, a great beauty in her day, had passed away seven years ago, it had taken the good man that long to rebound. Inside, Harry and Fair Haristine, DVM, Susan and Ned Tucker, Nelson and Sandra Yarbrough, both dentists, Professor Greg Ginger McConnell and his wife Trudy, Marshall and Joyce Reese, and Paul and Anita Huber. All sat in the simple, pale yellow living room with Reverend Jones and his dear friend Miranda Hagendauber. After Harry's mother died, Miranda was a surrogate mother to her and a good friend to all. Miranda also possessed a singing voice touched by an angel, a voice in the service of the Church of the Holy Light, an evangelical house of worship. The caterer could be heard at work in the old country kitchen. I don't know why you didn't let me cook tonight's repast, said Miranda, looking quite nice in a peach dress. Because then you'd fret. Herb smiled as Lucy Furr, a Lutheran cat, leapt to the back of his big easy chair. I've forgotten how lovely this house is, Trudy remarked, like walking back in time. Well, at least there's no television in the living room remarked Susan in her early forties. Drives me crazy. Harry, Susan's friend since cradle days, reached over to pinch her. Oh, Susan, everything drives you crazy.